Hey everyone, we've been using Furnish Finder for the last five years. When it comes to travel nursing assignments or long-term vacations, Furnish Finder is a place to go. One of the most trustful aspects about travel nursing is finding housing. There aren't a lot of sites that offer furnished homes for short-term leasing. Furnish Finder has thousands of furnished properties nationwide to meet your every need. If you're looking for a one-bedroom studio to a three-bedroom family home, Furnished Finder has you covered. Travel with a peace of mind with Furnished Finder. Start your search at FurnishedFinder.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. I, Peter Fendera, will be your nurse for today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for your time. Make sure to visit cupofnurses.com for all of our podcast episodes and show notes. Also, don't forget to check out the resource page filled with tons of knowledge and information for nursing students, travel nurses, nurses, and anybody else in between. Tons of great stuff on there, such as our system cheat sheets, NCLEX study guide, and travel nursing checklist. Also, take a peek at coupleofnurses.shop for all of our latest merch releases and unit t-shirts and jackets. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, Liquid IV and BetterHelp. I drink Liquid IV after every workout and after every sauna session. It keeps me hydrated and it keeps my pee looking pristine. Use code CONPOD at checkout for a little bit of a discount. It's never too early. It's never too late to get a therapy session in. Your mental health is important. Make sure to check out betterhelp.com slash couple of nurses or use couple of nurses for a little bit of a percentage off on your first therapy session. On this episode, I would like to talk about chat GPTs and AI's impact on healthcare. Some fun facts for y'all. Chat GPT was able to reach 1 million users within five days of release. That's quicker than any other software or platform out there. It's, that was quicker than TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, and everything else out there. It was able to reach 1 million users quicker than anything else we have created so far. Currently, there are about 100 million users of ChatGPT and it's growing every month. And ChatGPT has about 1 billion visits a day. And 15% of those visits come from here in the U.S. But even though U.S. is the greatest consumer of ChatGPT, it's not only a national phenomenon, it is a global phenomenon. ChatGPT is being used worldwide. It supports multiple different languages. If you haven't gotten the chance to try out ChatGPT, it's completely free. And I highly recommend it. You can literally have a conversation with this thing. You can give it questions, give it prompts. It's literally... Google on steroids. And if I was in nursing school or even high school or college, trust me, I would be using the heck out of this software. You can ask it medical questions. You can just have a simple conversation with it. You could ask it about itself. You could talk about economics, history, and it literally spits back at you answers 
with almost precision accuracy. It does get a few things wrong here and there, but if I was in school, I would for sure be using this. It can even write you certain papers. It can proofread your research papers. It can proofread your blog posts. It can almost do anything that you that you ask it. Looking through the literature out there, chat GPT and other chatbots can basically answer any kind of medical question you give it. And they could basically pass any kind of medical exam. So it just this just shows you how smart this this AI, this this software is. It can in real time spit back spit back at you correct answers to medical questions. And what kind of an impact this can have on the world is huge. Just think about the world's most popular doctor. Who is that? That is Dr. Google. Every minute 70,000 medical inquiries get asked on Google. 89% of people Google their symptoms before going to a doctor. Google gets about 1 billion medical questions asked in a single day. And 40% of people ask Google versus going to a doctor. This just shows you the power that search has. So I was thinking if Google is so convenient and easy, do these chatbots, does chat GPT stand a chance with, with, with Google out there, right? And I was thinking, what makes Google so, so attractive? Why do people search for their signs and symptoms versus going to a doctor? The, f the first one is just speed. It's a lot quicker for you to search on, on the internet versus having to go to a doctor, explain yourself, and then going back home because it might take you days, might take you weeks to book an appointment with your doctor, and then you might not even get the answer that you're looking for, or you might get the same answer that Google provides. And also, Google does give you the option for you to search the web by yourself. So you could you could keep searching until you find, you could say, the right answer versus having the doctor where he's giving his opinion and that's that one opinion you're gaining versus Google where it gives you multiple sources, multiple search results, multiple things you can you can look through. But speed is speed is key here. We live in a fast-paced society. We like things now. We don't like waiting. Whatever is going to get us from point A to point B, whatever is going to answer our question quickest is always going to be our preferred choice. So let's jump in the, the time capsule real quick or the time machine and let's take a look at how search has changed over time. And let's go back a couple years, we can say, or more than a handful of years. Let's go before there were home phones, before we had something wired in our home that allowed us to speak or call somebody. Before the invention of telephone, or before it came became a staple in homes, how did people get their questions answered? How did they search for information? How did they search for knowledge? How that happened was either looking through the encyclopedia, newspaper, or physically going to a profession like a doctor or a physicist or a mathematician or a scholar and asking them these questions. You had to physically leave your home and then go out on horseback or via car and find somebody that can answer that question for you, somebody with that background or that knowledge. So you had to physically go from point A to point B to get that question 
answered. Then came the amazing invention of the telephone, where now you have the ability to call somebody from your home. You can call a professional without leaving your home. You can call some. You can call a doctor's office. You can call somebody from university. You don't have to step out of your house to get information, to get knowledge, to get a medical professional's opinion. And I guarantee you, if you look at the data, phones, house phones, did have an impact on people's health lives, their, their medical conditions. People had a little bit higher quality of life and they became a little bit healthier, you could say, and didn't die as much of, didn't die as much from disease and comorbidities because they now had the ability to speak to somebody in, in real time from, from their home. They didn't have to physically go out and search for these, these answers. After the, the house phone, you now have cell phones and the internet. So after you have your house phones, you now have the creation of the internet and of cell phones. Cell phones were amazing because you could call anybody from almost anywhere at any given time. You just had to get their phone number. And with internet, you had email, which was a little bit slower than the telephone. But then after email, and once internet became a bigger deal, you now had the ability to have search engines like Google, Bing, Yahoo, and all these other good ones like DuckDuckGo. And you had the ability to physically search something by typing it in in your home without actually having to speak to somebody. So now you had the power of either A, calling somebody from anywhere almost at any time, and the power to search via the internet for the answer to your questions. So in one sense, it became a little bit less personal and more available. Now we have the beauty of having cellular data. We literally have a powerful computer in our hands, which is our cell phone. And we could call anybody. We could speak to anybody. We could look up anything at any time, anywhere, at any given point. That's how lucky we are right now is we don't have to move, you could say, a muscle to figure out what is going on with us. We don't have to even call anybody. We could just type it into Google and it'll give us a bunch of answers. And now even on top of that, we have these softwares, these chatbots, where it's actually even quicker for you to get certain answers. So if you take a look at Google, what do you have to do with Google? You have to go on Google, type in a question, and it gives you a page of answers. It gives you your search results. Maybe you click on the top five, and then you search through whichever one gives you the best information. And then let's just say, Let's just say you're looking up infertility. And as you're looking up infertility, you run something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And now you're curious, uh, curious on what this is. I have to go back on Google, type it in. What is that? What is polycystic ovarian syndrome? And now you're into this rabbit hole of you're going back and forth on different searches versus chat GPT. You can ask it a question. And it gives you a response. So if you ask it, what causes infertility? It gives you a giant list of things that can cause infertility. And if you get curious on what, let's just say, how cancer affects infertility, you type it in and it follows it up with another answer. Now, instead of having to go back and forth on Google to type in new questions, give it more prompts, all you have to do is just keep talking to chat GPT and it'll keep spitting out answers. It's almost like you're 
having a conversation. And if I was a nursing student, and if I was in school, I would be using this to the max. I'll be asking you tons of questions, tons of conversations. I would have it look over my papers, all of that kind of jazz because I'm a simple guy. I want something that'll grammar check it for me, make sure that it makes sense, make sure that I'm hitting the the right topics with accuracy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what I did is me being a curious nurse is I was looking at how accurately can chat GPT actually answer nursing questions. I was curious if it could have the ability or if it has the ability to pass the NCLEX. And I can tell you without a doubt, it can for sure pass the NCLEX. It does get confused on some questions. One of the questions that I, that I asked it with multiple choice answers was why do you give morphine to patients that are having an MI? And some of the multiple choice that I gave to it was for anxiety, for pain, for sedation, or to decrease oxygen demand. And the answer that it gave me was that you give morphine to a patient with MI to treat the patient's pain. But this... However, if you're taking the NCLEX or any kind of nursing exam, the correct answer is to decrease the oxygen demand because what morphine does, it, it, what morphine does is it lowers blood pressure, it lowers your heart rate, it lowers that cardiac oxygen demand. So it got that one incorrect and it gets those confusing ones wrong sometimes, but I want to say about 70% of the time, 80% of the time, it gets those confusing ones once correct. But what's nice about that is it gives you rationales for why it chose that answer. So if you're not sure or if it gets it wrong, you can ask it, for example, why do we give morphine to lower oxygen demand or how does morphine lower oxygen demand? And it gives you these amazing responses. So if I were a nursing student out there, I would be using chat GPT for giving me rationales because we have one professor for each for each class you could say some professors teach multiple classes but you're only getting that one teaching style and sometimes how that professor teaches just doesn't always work with us and it's a little bit harder for us to memorize things or learn things or sometimes we don't get the right explanation or it's not said in the right way what chat gpt does it's able to elaborate on these rationales and give you multiple different rationales on why this is the right answer or how this works. So this is a a very useful teaching tool, even for nurses out there. If you're confused on why we give statins to lower cholesterol or why do we give this dose of metoprolol versus this dose, it gives you those answers or why do we prefer not to give ACE inhibitors to African-American population it gives you those answers, so it's not useful for nursing students. It's very helpful for any kind of nursing question out there. If you're 
on unit and trying to figure out, huh, why did doctor prescribe this? And you're looking through the pharmacopoeia or your, your unit's program for the pharmaceutical inf information. You can just pop in chat GPT and it can give you a, a, a well-drawn answer with almost pinpoint accuracy. So besides speed, what do you think are some other reasons why people prefer to use Dr. Google over seeing our primary specialist? The two big ones are fear and embarrassment. People are scared to go to a doctor because they don't want to get poked or prodded and they also don't want to hear any kind of bad news. As physicians, as medical professionals, we want to get as much detail, as much information about what's going on as we possibly can before you, we give you a diagnosis or before we offer you a device. So usually that comes with getting your labs drawn, doing some kind of examinations. And sometimes people are just scared of going through that. So they prefer to just ask Dr. Google until, it's get, until things get real bad, then they see their doctor. A lot of times people wait till the last minute because they have a feeling that something is wrong and they keep putting it off. Because you might think you have something going on with you, but then somebody telling you, like a doctor or a specialist telling you, hey, you have cancer. Or hey, you always need surgery. Or hey, there's nothing else we can do. It's just really heartbreaking and saddening news. And we just don't want to hear that. We're scared of getting that life-changing diagnosis. Embarrassment was the other major one. Some people are just embarrassed to get asked those very direct and private questions like, what is your sex life? How have your bowel movements been? When was your last colonoscopy? Did you ever get a breast biopsy? How's your lifestyle? And then also getting that judgment by doctor or even a nurse saying, why aren't you eating healthier? Why don't you exercise? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing that? And sometimes people have had trauma where it's really hard for them to go get the physical, go talk to a doctor. It's hard for them to be vulnerable in, in that place behind closed doors where just a one-on-one -on -one interaction. So fear and embarrassment are two of the biggest reasons why people prefer to use Dr. Google over seeing their actual doctor. I took a look at a John Hopkins study that compared the responses given by chat GPT and physicians. And the results were, were very, very interesting. So there was over 150 participants that asked chat GPT and physicians a couple of simple questions. One of them was about them swallowing a toothpick and if they should be worried. What was pretty breathtaking is that 80% of the participants prefer the chat GPT's response over the response that the physician gave them. Why? They preferred chat GPT's response because they felt it was more empathetic and it provided more information. And they also said that its responses were, were accurate, but longer and provide a better explanation. So what did chat GPT actually say to someone that actually swallowed a toothpick and wasn't sure on what to do. Chat GPT responded, it's natural to be concerned if you swallow the foreign object. But in this case, it is highly unlikely that the toothpick you swallow would cause you any serious harm. 
versus what the physicians said. If you surpass two to six hours, chances are you've passed it into your intestines. So on average, the chat GPT response consisted of 151 words versus the physicians, which was about 95, 96. So this is pretty breathtaking results because this just shows you why people prefer to use Dr. Google or even ChatGPT or other chatbot software out there for their medical information. It's more private. Seems like they get a better answer. And it seems like they get just as accurate for these basic questions. It's pretty crazy that the chat GPT's responses were considered more, more empathetic. You think that a AI software wouldn't be able to relate very well to humans, but in some way it has some kind of empathetic factor in there. It's almost as if this, this bot knows how to talk to humans. It's, it's quite interesting, but quite scary at the same time because you really don't know if this chatbot is actually giving you the right answer but people still still trust it just shows us where ai is going to go in the future and chat gpt and just the chatbots people just simply prefer to ask their computer or ask their phone a question and get the answer versus actually speaking to somebody a professional to get the the actual answer but we don't really know if the answer it's giving you is accurate. Would you want to trust a software over, over a doctor? I don't know. I'm still a little bit skeptical, but I want to tell you 90% of the questions that I asked ChatGPT, they get to answer correctly and accurately. And it even gives a better answer response that I would give. Because sometimes I ask it a question that I know the answer to. And I think about how I would answer that question. And I'm telling you guys, ChatGPT does a lot better of a job explaining it. We are only human and we can only hold a certain amount of knowledge in our brain. The ChatGPT is able to scour the web. It's able to learn from everything that's, that's, that is being basically searched. It's almost like every time someone searches something on ChatGPT, it gets smarter. It's scouring the internet, scouring the web for more and more information. And this chat GPT is smarter, I want to say, than most people in the world. Generally smarter. People that are specialized in certain things, they most likely can outsmart the chat GPT. But for basic knowledge, I'm telling you guys right now, chat GPT is for sure smarter than me. If I go on a game show and it's Peter Frendera versus chat GPT, if I get one question right, I'm packing my bag, I'm taking the money, and I'm heading out. And think about how crazy of an impact this is going to have on healthcare in general. People are going to be able to ask their medical, medical questions right there in real time. And over time, it's going to get smarter and be able to give you better and better answers. It's going to potentially decrease hospital visits, decrease physician visits. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know. The smarter it gets, the better it's going to be. But earlier on, 
early on in a time frame it is right now. It probably shouldn't be used as something like that, but definitely over time, it can for sure weed out the more serious versus the less serious type of issues. But besides ChatGPT, there are a bunch of different AIs that are currently being used in healthcare, in medicine to help treat and diagnose diseases from the most common ones to the most rare ones. And this is a beautiful thing. The beauty of this is that these machines, these software are very good at doing one thing, one thing consistently and accurately. The, the place where it fails is adapting over time to certain things. These newer AIs, these, these machine learning AIs that are being created and are evolving right now are a little bit better, but the, but the AI, AI that you see in medicine and in healthcare, what they're trained to do or what they're created to do is just to do one thing accurately and consistently over time. So this comes to the AIs that help diagnose certain cancers, that help identify abnormalities on certain images. Those have shown to be very, very helpful because think about the human brain. Us humans are able to perform at our optimal, optimum or optimal for a certain period of time before fatigue sets in. We are creatures of habit, but we also are creatures of breaking those habits. We can only do the same thing over and over again with accuracy for X amount of time versus these AI versus the software that is able to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Of course, there is bugs in the system that have to be caught to make this software run accurately, but bugs are less of a deal, you could say, than human fatigue. For example, you wouldn't want to have a bug in a system that looks for certain masses in tissue and in organs because if that bug causes this machine to think that this mass isn't really a mass and you're solely relying on this machine to be able to identify these masses and this bug stops from doing that and you're solely basing your decision on this, that becomes a useless tool. So you have to constantly in real time evaluate, hey, is this giving me the right result versus a human, even though we are flawed in a, in a lot of cases, we're at least able to think outside the box or reevaluate certain things. There really isn't, you could say, a bug that could be implanted in us for where we now do not see the mass anymore. It could be too small for us to see it, but if we're able to see an X size mass on a scan, we're usually always going to be able to see that X size mass on the scan. So the combination of AI and humans can better help healthcare, better help diagnosis, and better treat certain issues. I hands down see ChatGPT taking over over Google and taking over healthcare in a matter of, of years. It takes out the more private and personal aspect of healthcare and it allows more people the option to 
figure out what's actually going on in their lives or with their health. It almost gives people more power into figuring out what the heck is actually going on and if I should be concerned about what's going on or if I should not be concerned about going on. And we know that if you give more access to people, more access to health, more access to healthcare, you could say, in a way, helps people live longer and healthier lives. Of course, there's a drawback of those people being hypochondriacs or freaking out over unnecessary things. You're always going to have that. But just allowing more people to take control of their lives and giving them more access to certain systems that will help them, you could say self-diagnose, that goes a long way. Even though these systems... I want to say it won't replace doctors because it's always good to get an opinion of an actual professional versus just a, a bot or a system. They're going to have a drastic impact. It's going to make physicians' lives a little bit easier, I feel like, in the long run, and people's lives a little bit easier. But there is a flaw to these systems of not having, you could say, the ability to think outside the box. But like I mentioned before, there are these learning machine learning systems where they learn by themselves over time they teach themselves over time but they don't have this ability to think outside the box like a physician does because as healthcare professionals we could think of different ideas or how different systems play play into what's actually going on to this human being and able to actually think about something different that's going that's going on versus this chat gpt or this machine that is just based on inputs and outputs and whatever you input it it tries to figure out what correlates best with what and that's the answer that's going to most likely give you versus a position where he's going to he or she is going to be able to think on this topic and and say hey it seems like this but i don't think it really is this because it also looks like this. So let's maybe focus more on that. So there's going to be a wonderful bridge between AI and healthcare as a way to better diagnose and treat people moving down the line. I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of this big push for AI. There's this big push for algorithms, this big push for for machine learning. It's going to simplify a lot of things, but at the same time, complicate a lot of things. But it's very exciting stuff. Once again, if y'all haven't tried out ChatGPT, you should definitely give ChatGPT a try. Thank you for tuning in, guys. See you guys next Friday.